listen to the word of God. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, and he loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during the supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus said that the Father has given all things into his hands, that he come from God and was going to God, rose from suffering, laid aside his garments, and drove himself at the top. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel for which he was going. He came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I'm doing for you do not, you do not know now, but afterwards you understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part of me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. When he had washed their feet, in verse 12 now, he had taken his garments and resumed his place and said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? For you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, also you ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do, as I have done to you. Truly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Whereas he was sent there, than he who sent him. Then he predicts, his, he predicts the betrayal when they look at each other. And uh, in John's Gospel, it's much more explicit that Judas is the one who has done it. In Mark's Gospel, they all seem to be guilty. Okay, so it's kind of an interesting, interesting change. But anyway, then after that, he says this in verse 31. When Judas had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and him God is glorified. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all people will know, that you are my disciples, if you love, if you have love for one another. Of course, and then right after this, Jesus predicts <laughs> the denial of Peter, which of course Peter says, that's not going to happen. So, anyway, may God bless the hearing, the reading of Holy Word. Lord, open up our hearts and our minds that through your word proclaimed, through your word reflected upon, we may encounter you, the living word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The last night of Jesus' life is this dance between something beautiful and something so tragic, between the deepest expression of love and the shadows of both betrayal and denial. It is centered around bread, which is a symbol of life itself, and wine, the symbol of joy and pleasure, and yet they will become associated with death, that it will happen less than 24 hours. 
It is the midst of this tableau that Jesus gives us a new commandment. A new mandate. It's from the Latin mandatum, which means, which we translate um, mandate. It's become mandate, but it just means commandment. It's what the Latin term means. Our word mandate, English comes from that. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about that um, I, I think it's something so simple, right? A new commandment I give you, love as I have loved you, right? And the world will know you're my disciples by the way you love each other. If, you know, it doesn't say by the way, it says if you love each other this way. Simple, but remarkably profound and simple command. All those others, okay, all those other ones I gave you, like the 613, whatever it is, right? Just one. And yet, I think if we were honest with ourselves, it might be easier to try to do 613. The history of Christianity is we are, we get excited about judging other people. We do, we, get, we can rally around that. We can rally around particular we're in, we're out, right? We're excited about that. We get curious. Sometimes we're excited about particular brands of Christianity. Now, you know, it's more like we get kind of excited about individual little units and churches out there. Okay, right? It seems like a lot of our 2,000 years have been actually trying to avoid this commandment. Now, there's sometimes even well-intentioned people saying, well, we're about grace, we're not about love. And I would agree to that to a degree. But Jesus does give us a commandment. Um, it's interesting that the, the, the foot washing uh, uh, that he does. And I, have any of you ever been to a foot washing service? I had a colleague, I had a Presbyterian colleague of mine wanted to do a foot washing service, but uh, the best that she could get achieved was the elders voted they could wash each other's hands. Which is fine. And I, I actually don't think it's, it's not a sacrament, it's not an institute, but it, if you've ever done it, I remember the first time I ever really did, did it, I was going uh, to a Mennonite church. And this Mennonite church, half of us were long haired, anti nuke earth shoes, granola eating folks, okay? The other half of the church were the old school Mennonites, okay? It was weird how we all came together, okay? Uh, I was not one of the old school Mennonites, if you're wondering which one I was at. I was not, I didn't have a horse in battle. I was on the other side of the church. And there was this one very Germanic looking Mennonite who always seemed to give me a dirty look. Now, he, he was a farmer. And you know, farmers maybe always have dirty looks on their face, you know. To be a farmer is never to be happy, right? Yeah, I, I grew up in farm country. Well, we're not getting any rain. Everything's gonna, everything's gonna die. We didn't too much rain, everything's going to get drowned, right? Oh, we had a horrible crop. Well, now we have too much, the fight, you know, they never happened. Okay, so, anyway. So this guy would always kind of, kind of frowned at me. And how they did it, being proper at the midnights, the women would go to one room. And the men uh, stayed the other room. I, you know, I had no idea what, what was going to happen next. And um, suddenly, half of them got up and started walking towards people. And what was a custom was they, they selected whose feet they were going to wash. And the Germanic man who gave me very looks, I thought it was going to be 
you know, I, I guess I've, I've been in this work my entire life. And um, I've seen, you know, I've helped churches turn around. I've had, you know, I've had small churches get bigger. I've had other, you know, I've, had, I've worked in large churches and uh, worked a lot of work with all kinds of programs. And people now ask me to come in and help them. And <laughs> when they ask me, what do you think the best thing we can do to grow? I say, love as Christ loved you. Love each other. And we show the world that love. Now again, we have to look at our programs. We do have office schools that keep people out of our building. Okay. And then it's cultural that it's, that it's inside of us. And we can work on that. And there are cultural obstacles out there that keep people from coming here. Okay? I mean, there's not much we can do about that. But what we do have to go over by the grace of God is, our, is the call that we are to love as he is loved. And Jesus says, if, if you love as I have loved, the world will know that you are my disciples. I've told, I, I, I may have told this story at Crossroads too. I'm not told a speech to work, but it's not my best story. And it's my best story because it's such a shaking story. Um, so bear with me because of I worked with urban kids my last couple of years when I was a young adult. I had actually a book. I had kids that were from the suburbs. It's kind of typical, you know, kids that would be going to this high school or, or you know, everything on Chamonix High School or whatever high school you go to. And then I had kids that were from the projects. And we, we took, the first year we tried to put the two groups together, it didn't work so well, okay? But the second year, we had like the best year the area had had in 20 years uh, in terms of numbers. Um, and so I took this wild group of kids down to a camp in North Carolina. And John Paul was one of the toughest kids in the school. Teachers were afraid of him, the other students were afraid of him. Half the police force in town was afraid of John Paul. He was tough. Strong kid. And um, had, you know, just a tough, tough kid. And uh, but he came to my young work club and he came to campus. And we had, you know, we had an interesting week. We'll just say that. But we had a great week. And about the next to last night at the camp was when they give the crosstalk. And at the crosstalk, you know, we talk about how much God loved you and God. And uh, we get ready after the talk. We're in the cabin. We're getting, these are high school kids. These are um, John Paul may have been a junior. Uh, so the, I had sophomore years and senior years. And we get ready to talk, and John Paul just runs out of the cabin. And now, <laughs> they've been trying to get out of the cabin all week, okay? And I would tell them untrue things about how dangerous the wilderness of North Carolina was. Uh, and they actually were scared. So, by the way, they actually sometimes uh, would just stay near me. Big, strong guys were terrified of things that just went bump in the night. And, uh, uh, and that worked to my advantage. Uh, but, uh, John Paul ran out and eventually found him. And um, his tears coming down is just stupid. You know, he tried not to see it, but it's impossible. And I said, John Paul, what do you think of the talk tonight? And he said it was BS, although he didn't use the initials. And I, I go, why, why did you think that? 
looked at me and goes, how can I believe there's a God that loves me when no one in this world has ever loved me? And I knew his mom was probably right. Probably right. No, there's no family person ever loved me. Now deep down he knew I loved him and the other leaders did. But I thought, yeah. <laughs> How can you know that there's a God who loves you if you don't know what love is, if you've never seen it? And that is such a profound moment for me because um, I vow never to forget, forget that lesson in terms of it. It doesn't matter what we have to say. It doesn't matter what our programs are. It doesn't matter what building looks like. It doesn't matter how cool and modern and hip we are, or whatever, you know, out to date. Uh, it doesn't matter how classic or traditional we are and what we stand on. If we do not love as Christ has loved, then we ignore the last thing he said to us before we die. I, I turn, I'm going to wish, I'm going to end the service after communion. I'm going to end with what I was going to do now because I think it'll, it'll work better. Um, there's a powerful movie that came out um, in 2000, I think 2011. It's a French film. It's uh, of, of gods and men. And it's based on the true story of a group of Trappist monks who were working uh, in the mountains, uh, the Atlas Mountains of Algeria. Uh, and there was a, a religious civil war, there was a civil war there that broke out, and there were Islamist um, extremists who were doing acts of terror. Um, and it's a complicated situation because the legacy of the French colonialism had allowed them to be a corrupt government there that was not serving the people. These Trappist monks had a clinic there, there was a doctor, one of the monks, Brother Luke was a doctor. They serviced hundreds of people. They had made relationships with the villages. The villages would invite them. And the abbot, Brother Christian, was kind of an expert on Islam-Christian discussions. And he was very open and had great relationships with the local folks. But, you know, with the Islamist extremists, it became more problematic. And there were a group of Croatians who were murdered near them. And they hear from the local villagers that the militants are going to come after them. And they have to make a decision whether or not they're going to stay or not. Okay. Uh, I'm not spoiling the movie for you because it's a historical occurrence. They stayed. And seven of them were kidnapped and eventually beheaded. Um, but there's a scene when they're talking about whether or not they're going to go or stay, and Brother Luke says, uh, so I'm not afraid of any Islamic militants. I'm even less afraid of the Algerian army. I'm not afraid of that. I am a free man. And that's him free to love the people he served, and the people love him, and I him to love his brothers. And there's a scene, and I'm going to show you the scene after the service, if you want to stay around, where um, it's, it's right before they're captured. And Trappists, they're Trappists, so they, don't, they, they live in silence. And Brother Luke comes in, and still putting a spiritual reading. I mean, they talk to each other some, but it's generally, they spend most of the time serving the community and in prayer. And at supper, dinner, you usually sit in silence, eat your food, 
and have someone read spiritual readings to you. But uh, Brother Luke comes in, sets up a, tape, uh, a CD player, some of the music player, uh, puts on the theme from Swan Lake, brings out two bottles of wine, and they sit together. And, and, and the last one, the four minutes of the movie, are just silent as they go around the room. But what you'll see in the faces is this powerful image of each of them thinking about their own imminent death, which they assumed was going to happen, and it did. Um, but you see their love for God, their love for the beauty that comes from maybe one of the greatest pieces of music ever written, Chikoski's Swan Lake. Um, the joy of drinking wine with people that you've prayed with and loved and served. And the way that our Christian life doesn't take away the fear of death, but that love is greater than death. We might swan like Last one. But how does one make it? It ends with the sacrifice of love. And resurrection, if you will. Okay. It is with the sacrifice and love and resurrection. Swans are set free from the lake of tears. Remember the lake was formed by the tears of the parents because they had been taken and captured from them. Interesting, these men gave their lives because they loved people, not because these people would ever convert, they weren't there to convert people. They were there to bear witness to Christ and the love of Christ. God is the one who converts, right? Okay. So that's not our job. But this night reminds us that it, it was all about love. Um, Julian Norwich, one of the greatest mystics of all time, lived in a horrible time, plagued by the Hundred Year War, Harris Hicks being burned outside of her. Uh, where she was in Norwich Cathedral, Norwich Cathedral. And towards the end of her life, she, after she was reflecting on the vision God had given her, she goes, why? Why sin? Why all this suffering? Why God? When is your purpose? And God says, love was my reason. And he says, why did you have to suffer? Love is the message. Love is the end. And I am love itself. This is not even more the deep mystery of Christ's death tomorrow. This isn't even more that Jesus is talking to one guy who's already decided he's going to betray him, and one guy's going to deny him, and the rest are going to run away. But in the midst of all that compromise, Jesus for the joy that was set before him, gives us this command. And he gives us a command that, first of all, he shows us how to do it, and secondly, because he is with us, it is Christ in us loving the Christ in the other that enables us to do it. There is nothing else, there's no greater reason for us to be here in this world, as a church, than to love as Christ is loved. And if you can't do that, then it doesn't matter what we believe or what it doesn't. Because we don't really believe it. And we don't have love in it. And it doesn't really matter what we do. Because we won't really be doing it because we, we don't know who we're doing it for.
they will know you are my disciples if you love one another. It's a big if. Okay. It's a big if. But by the grace of God, we can do that. This book is really what we can do. Amen and amen.